want to be a CEO? It's a tough mountain to climb. I'm finding out how to get there and what to do once you make it to the top. I'm Michael Thompson, and this is Three Peaks Leadership with Philip Levinson. We've talked a lot on the podcast about the relationship between the CEO, the chair and the board. Today, I want to go one step further than that and look at a theory of management that could be a little bit controversial. I'm joined, as always, by Philip Levinson, CEO, CEO mentor and the author of Three Peaks Leadership, How to Make It as a CEO and Beyond. Lev, g'day. Hello, Michael. One thing I'm really fascinated by is that flow of information between the CEO and the board and then back again. The way it all works, the way that you make sure that everything that's disclosed is meant to be, but also the relationships that can form outside of the regular board meetings, the advice that can be passed uh, back and forth and the direction that can be, that can be given. We discussed that a fair bit when we were joined by company director John Poynton, and it was a really interesting insight into the board dynamics and the dynamics with the CEO. Absolutely. Since then, though, I've been doing a bit of research, and I wanted to put this theory to you that for any company wishing to sustain growth beyond the short term, that there must be a functioning working relationship between the board and the executive team as well through the CEO. Do you agree? Do you think the board should have a relationship with the executive team beyond the CEO? Well, I think you made a very interesting point and it's through the CEO. And I think from a communication perspective and also from a chain of command, the CEO is pivotal. So if you look at it as a as an hourglass, for example, and the information that flows down from the board flows through the pinch point which is the CEO and then is disseminated down to the executive team. And then you flick the hourglass over and it's in its reverse, but it has to be with the approval of and knowledge of the CEO because otherwise chaos reigns. Let's just have a quick look at that. Where can that go wrong? If there is a relationship between the executive team and the board or individual directors on the board, what happens? It's much more likely to be individual directors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's no problem whatsoever in individual directors having working relationships with or social relationships with members of the executive team, as long as they understand their roles. So for example, the executive team member doesn't go out for a drink with a director and in any way diminish the role of the CEO or reveal conversations that have been had in confidence with the CEO or other members of the executive team, because it's all, again, it's all about trust. And the board has to have full trust in the CEO and the CEO has to have full trust, not only in the board, but also in their executive team. Have you ever seen it happen? Have you ever seen it work badly, not necessarily relating to your own experience, but in other companies that you've observed? I've seen it work appallingly. Right. I have seen instances where deals are almost completed uh, without the CEO's knowledge. And as you can imagine, the implications of that are many and varied. One, you know, there's the corporate governance issue of a member of the executive team dealing directly with a board member and putting in place a path that 
the CEO is, hasn't signed off on because they're responsible for it ultimately. And the diminution in stature, I guess, of the role of CEO. I would always say to my team, I will die in a ditch for you. All I ask for in, in return is a bit of loyalty. And if you can't provide that, then this isn't the place for you to work because I really am taking responsibility for what you do. I'm your supporter to the board. I'm looking to you, members of the executive team, for a potential successor to me. I'm also looking to you for your collective support in the endeavours that we are engaged in. And I'm looking for the board to trust you in the same way that they trust me. So I will bring you to board meetings. I will happily let you present to members of the board, but it has to be done within a set of rails. Otherwise, as I said, it's chaos. That's a, an interesting point in that I've never been a CEO, but I have been a member of an executive team and was asked on a, on a number of occasions to attend board meetings to provide an update on major major projects on how different parts of, of what we were doing within the business were going. I found it really useful and quite challenging to have people who knew the business but who were not intimately involved in the day-to-day running of it asking relevant often quite difficult questions. It it kind of crystallised your focus and maybe drew it to areas that you hadn't really considered before. So as a member of the executive team, I found that really quite, quite useful. And I suppose is that an area where it can work that was with the knowledge and the support though of the CEO? Yep. And definitely, because I think when you're a member of an executive team, you're responsible for your bit of the company. In having directors ask you those sorts of questions, it might open your eyes to the fact there are other bits of the company that are regarded by the board as of equal or even greater importance in in the overall structure and outcomes of the entity. Uh, So you need to be respectful and courteous to the board, but the CEO needs to know to a large degree what it is you're about to present. You mentioned before about how you are always considering as well the need for a successor for your role. How important is it for succession planning for the board to be aware of the executive team, of their capabilities, of their capacity to potentially succeed you at some point? And how can you demonstrate that without really fostering a a fairly close working relationship between the board and that executive team? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the first thing is we go back to the no surprises rule. So from an internal candidate, they should be known to members of the board. They should be known to all members of the board. And all members of the board should be aware of their abilities and some gaps in their ability which may need to to be worked on uh, in order to get them to the level of a potential successor to the CEO. So as a a good CEO, I think, will promote members of their executive team to the board. And they do that by giving them airtime at board meetings. So, you know, for example, my CFO would present incredibly well to the board. And as a result, the board trusted him implicitly. My head of investor relations would provide a great update 
to the board. And as a result, not only did they trust her implicitly, but when I recommended that she be promoted, though, it was a unanimous. So there's no problem whatsoever. Where I had the problem was when individuals on the executive team met with individual directors and you would know, you'd find out about it normally at a board meeting when the director would say, oh, well, hang on a second, I just had a chat with so-and-so and that isn't the case because what you're putting forward is lost in context. So, you know, you might be saying something and the, and the recipient of what you're talking about might be thinking, well, hang on, I, I heard from a member of the executive team that that initiative's not being followed anymore. What do you do in that situation? Because that sounds like it would almost make your position as CEO untenable. Then and if, it does. If you've got members of your team that you should be able to trust essentially going around you. Yeah. So great fun. Great fun. Um, you know, the backstabbing is is legendary, particularly when you're in that role because people do want your job mm. and they don't care how they, they go about getting it. For me, a full and frank discussion with the miscreant is always a first step, but also a full and frank discussion with members of the board where you say, look, I undertake to provide you with a no surprise culture and an insight into the business. And you can ask me anything about any part of the business and I will either answer it there and then, or I will find the answer for you. Please don't ask members of the senior leadership team because they might not have all the information available to answer your question completely. And once again, it diminishes my role. So there needs to be a bit of discipline around this. Devil's advocate, just for a moment. Is there an element of ego to it for some CEOs in that they are the only ones with the connection to the board? I'm sure there is. I think it's more than that, though. I think it's fear. Fear of being found out. So the CEO is misleading the board in, in some way that everything's fantastic and members of the executive team seek out members of the board and say, this, it's not fantastic. You know, the reason that we're losing market share or losing people is because of, you know, these actions. At which point, again, communication being so important, there should be a sit down and a, and a full and frank discussion. So what I'm saying is that, that in certain instances, and it will be under pressure, but in certain instances, senior leaders or members of the senior leadership team will seek out members of the board to appraise them of issues that they feel are not being accurately or reported to board. And at that point, the CEO has, I think, a limited tenor. <laughs> Does it put too much pressure on the CEO to be the conduit for all information in that if they're expected to essentially be across almost everything that's happening broadly within the within the company and able to be the ones relaying that to the to the the board or is that just the expectation of the role that they are across enough of the detail of all their direct reports that they're able to be the main point of contact for the board and when additional information is required that you do bring in the relevant member of the executive team. I would almost flip it and I would say that you need to be so confident in the relationship that you have with the board that you can bring your CFO or your head of department in to answer questions directly because you feel that they they have 
the in-depth working knowledge as they should of their particular area, that as a CEO, you only have a, a top level view of, and therefore the board should be fully entitled to be able to delve into the detail through the person who is the provider and, and arbiter of the detail. You are a Navy man. You've had a lot of experience there. Very clearly defined structure within the Navy, within all elements of the armed forces. Do you think part of that that respect for the, the, the hierarchy that, that exists kind of does go through in a good way to that structure from the chair and the board through the CEO to the executive team? Because I can't imagine within, say, a naval environment, you're going to have too many instances where a junior officer is going to be accessing senior officers or higher up the chain. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a great analogy. You can't have, if you think about it, the captain on the bridge saying, make your course green one five and everybody going, well, really, do we, should we do that? Or maybe we'll go for a red 30. It just, you know, if you can imagine that, it'd be chaos. They're not going to ring high command in Although, Canberra you know, and say, right. hey, we disagree with the captains. But, you know, and, and we've talked about Admiral Lee Goddard. I mean, he was open to suggestions in a private forum. Mm. So if he was thinking about something and he made a decision on it and somebody came to him politely and respectfully and said, sir, you might look at this in a different way, he'd created an environment where that was okay. What he also did, which I really liked, was he said, look, my door is always open. Um, anybody can come and talk to me, but you can come and talk to me after you've told your direct report, your direct superior, that that's what you're going to do. I don't want to have any part of you going around them unless there's sexual harassment issue, in which case there's, there's protocols in place, but I don't want to have any part of anybody you know, circumventing those chains of command. It was always in my mind as a, as a leader. It wasn't why... I put them in place. The chains of command are there for a reason. Mm-hmm. So everybody knows what their role is in, in achieving the outcome. And at the end of the day, as the CEO or captain, you're, you're responsible for everybody. It's a fascinating topic. And it's one I think there are, are probably multiple different ways to get to the, the end result, which is securing growth of the company beyond the, beyond the short term, but I think we've clearly defined that there are ways not to do it, which involves a lot of back-channeling and backstabbing. So steer clear of that if you can. As I've said many times before, I'm not the all-seeing, all-knowing oracle on this. I would love some of our listeners to come back and say, that's absolute rubbish and you should think about doing it another way. Because I think this is, as you say, this is a huge topic and there's many, many approaches to it. It's a very good point to leave it. And with a reminder that you can follow Philip Levinson on LinkedIn and join in the conversation there as well. You might have something to add to this particular conversation, your own point of view, perhaps your own experiences, similar to Lev's (laughs) in some ways. Thank you very much for joining us. Make sure you have hit follow on the podcast so that you get the next episode as soon as it's released. I'm Michael Thompson, and this is Three Peaks Leadership with Philip Levinson. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael.